0: Welcome to the Redirect Podcast. My name is Abigail Hewins. And I'm Emily Rojas. The Redirect
1: Podcast is a show where we shift the conversation back to books. We discuss themes from some
0: of our favorite fictional books and how those themes show up in real lived experiences. On today's episode, we'll be discussing literary families and what it would be like to join them at their Thanksgiving tables. So, Emily, this is a fun episode. This is a fun episode. (laughs) Um, just in time for Thanksgiving, uh, we'll be talking about – so these are some literary families, most of whom people are probably already familiar with, right? So yes. there's not a ton of research that has to go into this to understand no, the context.
1: And we're not going to spoil any um, – we'll try not to spoil any of the the books that are referenced in our literary family. So it's more just an overview of, of some of our – of the people we enjoy and maybe we think would be fun to have Thanksgiving with.
0: More so maybe than
1: your own family.
0: (laughs) Right. I think just in general, like, Thanksgiving, like, as a culture, we have too high of expectations for what Thanksgiving should be. Like, we have, like, we try so hard and put so much effort into making this, like, super, like, Norman Rockwell romantic, like, perfect day. And then, so then it makes it so that if, like, one family member has too much to drink, it, like, ruins it. But really, that's just like to be expected. That's just you know? part of it, yeah. <laughs> that's just part of it. But like, I think culture and movies and TV shows and books have made us think that it should be something like way more special than it is. And it's just a day where we're trying our best, and people aren't. People who have issues in your family aren't magically going to not have issues just because it's <laughs> Thanksgiving. Amen. <laughs> So that should be remembered.
1: That should keep that in mind. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's true of our literary families as well. I think um, the the best literary families are those that are slightly flawed and at least somewhat
0: remind you of your own. Exactly, because we're all narcissists at heart, and we're just mm-hmm. looking to find ourselves in the things that we read. Amen. So I can kick it off. Go um, ahead. The first family that came to my mind was the March family from Little mm. Women by Louisa May Alcott. I will slightly spoil this because if. This book's this been point, out for like yeah. 200 years or something. So, <laughs> At this point, you should probably know what's going to happen. But the main characters sitting at this Thanksgiving table, of course, would be Marmy, Meg, Joe, Amy, and Beth. So um, this is a family that lives in the North during the Civil War times. And we know what they do on Christmas. Um, in the book, they have a Christmas. And they... Have this huge Christmas feast, and they're all really excited about it. And then Marmy comes in and she's like, Hey, girls, what if we took our Christmas feast over to this poor, sick German family? And they're like, Ugh, Okay, which let's just pause there. I know it's supposed to be really sweet, but lowest, lowest of keys, I would be annoyed.
1: I would be so upset because you literally on Thanksgiving. I don't know what it was like in ye olden days, probably different, but it's like, you don't eat breakfast. You don't, you don't eat lunch. You know, like you're literally starving yourself all day. In my family, occasionally we will run a 5K. I hate to admit, but we are that family. So you've run your 5K. You've been starving yourself. You had a cup of black coffee. That's it. And then your mom's like, we're going to take all the food to a poor family. I mean, that's really nice, but I think I would have a hangry rage. I would snap. I think if if my yeah,
0: snap, low key, low it key. is annoying. Yeah. Um. So that's what I think Marmy would do on Thanksgiving. She would be the one being like, if we were to like drop the marches in like 2022, she would be like, let's go to the soup kitchen, let's go um, to Meals on Wheels, let's do whatever, or go pass out cups of water at the local turkey trot. Like, let's give back. We also know. I did a little research about this, um, that Louisa May Alcott wrote a book, a little mini, like a mini novella, called An Old-Fashioned Thanksgiving. So we can actually guess what the March family may have cooked on the Thanksgiving holiday. So here's an excerpt from that book. The big kitchen was a jolly place just now, for the great fireplace roared a cheerful fire. On the walls hung garlands of dried apples, onions, and corn. Up aloft from the beams shone crooked squashes Juicy hams and dried venison. Savory smells were in the air. On the crane hung steaming kettles and down among the red embers, copper sauce pans simmered, all suggestive of some approaching feast. And here's what the family in that story ate on Thanksgiving. Pretty straightforward things. They had roast turkey and onions, plum pudding, mince pie, and stuffing. So for that time period, they're still pretty English, you know, that seems like a pretty straightforward Thanksgiving meal. Mm-hmm. In their household, though, I will remind you, they do have a servant, <laughs> Hannah. So, Hannah would be doing the cooking. Um, Meg, the oldest sister, would be helping. She would be um, doing a lot of helping for Hannah. Amy, um, she would be the drama. She would be busy picking out the perfect Thanksgiving outfit and she's definitely the type to pick like a really uncomfortable but cute fancy like dress to wear on Thanksgiving and not like sweatpants. Are you more sweatpants or dress up on Thanksgiving?
1: Ah, uh, I want to I want to be I am sweatpants. I might do like leggings and like a cute sweater, you know, like try um, I will say, you know, my family goes to the beach every Thanksgiving. Um, it's kind of a tradition we've started. So that would be the one day I will put on like makeup,
0: <laughs> wear real clothes. Because everyone's taking pictures.
1: Yeah, you're taking pictures. So, but it, it's probably like a leggings and cute sweater kind of vibe. Definitely okay. not a dress.
0: Or something super cute, or anything uncomfortable. No, that was actually it's funny that you said. That was like one of the main, like the first things that Zach asked me last year. Because last year he it was the first time he came to my family's for Thanksgiving, and he was like, "Please, like, I will go, but like, this isn't like a dress-up Thanksgiving, is it?" I was like, "Not at all. This is a elastic waistband Thanksgiving. Yes, <laughs> as it should be. As it should be. Um. So okay, that's what Amy is doing. Joe is um. I would say, most like you, and that she's probably <laughs> organizing a family theatrical production for after the meal, the post-meal entertainment. Beth um, is playing the piano, and generally being a useless part of the day's plot, <laughs> as she is a useless part of the plot of that oh, movie. Shit. I mean, that book. <laughs> and um, Marmy would be writing a very detailed letter to her father. Um, and breaking up fights between joe and amy and making everyone give away their food to the poor as we established so that is that's that's what i think the marches would be doing on thanksgiving what's the first family you want to share okay so my first
1: family is nora and libby from book lovers um so if you have never read this book by emily henry first of all what are you doing you need to read it (laughs) so go ahead and do that and then come back um, but Nora and Libby, they are like polar opposites. Their are sisters. Um, their mother passed away when they were relatively young. And Nora, as the older sister, had to kind of take care of the family um, after that. And so um but they're very different Nora is high powered career woman you know s- often single or casually dating um very very ambitious very workaholic and then Libby she's got multiple children she kind of struggles i think she's a stay at home mom uh, it's been a little while since i read this so i think she's a stay at home mom
0: just like a bunch of kids crammed in a little apartment yes a ton of kids
1: yeah. crammed in a small apartment um married to like someone she's known for a long time so just polar opposites but i think um and in the book they kind of go on a little trip together and um it is hard because i think i think this is such a good realistic portrayal of siblings um because i think oh well, at least my siblings we're all so different but i think it's like you can get along and be close and not be the same like i think sometimes in books The siblings are either so identical and they're best friends or they, like, hate each other. (laughs) They're opposites. But I think this is a little more in the middle of, like, well, we can be different but try to understand where each other's coming from. So I think in this Thanksgiving house, Nora would be stuck with the kids at the kids' table for some reason and would be, like, so incensed about that. (laughs) And be like, I deserve to be at the adult table just because I'm single or whatever. I I don't need to be here with the children. (laughs)
0: Yes. Let's just like take a moment for that. So often single adults end up at the kids table just because they're not married and yes. that is so stupid.
1: Yes, I can I can say that. I see that in my own family. <laughs> Although we don't raging. have any kids really anymore, so I wouldn't say there's a kids table, but um the kids table would be a catch all for anyone who was still single <laughs> when we did have a kids table. Yeah, even if you're old. Yeah. It doesn't matter your age. There is no cutoff. It's just being married.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's stupid. Good. Um, all right, continue.
1: I also think that Nora would insist on having Thanksgiving catered by a professional, and Libby would be kind of sad that it wasn't like a traditional where we all cook Thanksgiving, but she would go along with it because she would know that Nora was ultimately right, that that would be too much work to try to cram into their small apartment or wherever they were and cook a big meal when neither of them probably have the skills to do that. Um, but I do, like, I think I see them as a very incredibly warm and loving family. Like, I think what we were talking about, like, Thanksgiving is not going to be perfect. There's going to be drama. There's going to be people getting mad at each other. There's going to be all this stuff that goes on. But I think it's a picture-perfect but imperfect Thanksgiving meal. I see them as people who have been through a lot and really value um the relationship they have with each other and value their family, even if they're super different. So that is my, that is my theory about the, the Nora and Libby
0: book lovers universe Thanksgiving. And I think like to our earlier point, they would probably have a fun Thanksgiving because they don't have these like classic expectations. Like there's no parents they don't have. It's not like they're already going to have a non-traditional Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. And I think if you, I mean, I assume it's a, you know, making my assumptions about the world that they live in. I assume they had a lot of Thanksgivings that were like not great. (laughs) Like when they were growing up and trying to make it without their mom and Nora was working a lot, like I bet they had a lot of Thanksgivings that were just rough or they didn't get to do anything or maybe they didn't get to spend it together. So I think when you've had that, you can kind of appreciate it more now that they are adults, they are stable. I think they would really appreciate and value like that they get to be together and that they get to celebrate together, even if it's not perfect.
0: I agree with you. I think that's a, a good observation. My next family. Yes. My next family um, are the Bennetts from Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. So our main players at the Thanksgiving table would be Mr. and Mrs. Bennett, obviously Jane, Lizzie, Kitty, Lydia, and Mary, and possibly some special guests, including Mr. Collins, their cousin, and heir to the estate, and um, I left out the spouses from this because it was just too many people. So I left out, you know, Darcy, Bingley, and Wickham. But um, I, I did as an honorable mention. If, if Mister Darcy and Georgiana showed up, they would be like organizing um, like a family croquet game um, instead of like a family football game. That'd probably be them. They'd be like in the in the backyard doing that. But um, we know that this would be a very, very highly, highly chaotic Thanksgiving. Because this is a very highly chaotic family. First of all, we know they have servants as well. Just like the marches. Um, So the servants would cook all the food. Because Mrs. Bennett would be just like purely mortified. If anyone thought that her estate couldn't afford to cook. Um, It would be an... So obviously, this is... um, in England, so they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. But if they did, it would be an elaborate but English meal. So we know it wouldn't taste very good. Yeah, duck from the English, <laughs> or be very well seasoned. Mm. Um, they would probably eat like blood pudding and like beans, beans on toast, and like just be really weird and gross. Um, and then they'd be like. They would have like some tin tomatoes on the side and be like, "Oh, spicy." (laughs) Um, We also know uh, that who would the drama would be. So the main dramatic people in this family would be Missus Bennett. Um, She would be the drama because she would be inviting over unexpected guests who were single and male um, to try and marry off her daughters. Um, The other piece of the drama would be Lydia, um, because Lydia is extremely annoying. She would be complaining about never getting to be part of the fun. She's also most likely to drink, to have too much drink, because she's always stealing sips of her like family member's wine, because she doesn't get poured any, because she's not old enough, but she is still, nonetheless, the most likely to drink too much and make a scene. Um, So because of all that chaos, Lizzie would be hiding reading a book somewhere until like the very moment that it's time to eat dinner. Mary the youngest sister would be busy playing piano loudly and badly. And then when they sat down to eat dinner, um, she would be the one who did a land acknowledgement and brought up the fact that Thanksgiving is based on the genocide of indigenous people. Incredible. (laughs) Totally killing the vibe. Bringing up a very important point, but yeah, also killing the vibe. Um, Mr. Bennett um, is unbothered. And probably the most likely to, quote, take a walk, unquote, (laughs) with the cousins after the meal (laughs) to smoke a joint. (laughs) Um, Jane is the most likely to exhaust herself by being polite and hosting all of the guests because everyone else is, like, being selfish and doing their own thing. And she's the one who's, like, quietly listening. Um, And then if Mr. Collins pulled up... Um, he would compliment the excellent boiled potatoes and offer to do a reading for everyone from a very boring book. So it would be a really, it would be a shit show of a Thanksgiving.
1: It sounds like it. In my opinion.
0: (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) Yeah. All right, what's your next family? Okay,
1: so my second family is the little family from the book, The Gunkle. Um, of course, Aww. gay Uncle Patrick, Gump, Gup, not Gump, and Maisie and Grant, the two kids. Um, so I picked this family because I think, first of all, it would be amazing to have a famous uncle, and I think, uh, Patrick is like the perfect level of famous to where you you know you would have missed his peak of his fame, so you can hang out with him in public and no one's it's not like a bother, but. He was on a show that people seem to have known, so you could always just drop that in there. Like my uncle Patrick is, um, you know, he's this famous guy from this famous sitcom. So first of all, that that alone would be amazing.
0: So would it be kind of like, would he be more famous or less famous than if your uncle was like Matthew Perry? It's
1: I. That's the vibe I got. You know. Okay. That, but yeah, but Matthew Perry. Well, probably Matthew Perry. Cause I was going to say Matthew Perry if he never went on to do anything after Friends.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, so
1: that's probably. Hey, he it.
0: was on 17 again. I know. That's all I could
1: think about. So maybe skip out 17 again, but but probably similar to if your uncle was Matthew Perry. Um, and I think the kids in this book seem truly enjoyable as far as kids go. Um, you know, kids can really change the vibe of Thanksgiving, just to be honest. Like, like. Some years, so my family goes to the beach, and some years there will be kids there, and some years kids won't be there. And this year's a kidless year. It's just different. It's, like, good both ways, but it is a different energy. So, But these kids seem really enjoyable, funny, cute, so I would be okay with spending Thanksgiving with them. And I think Patrick would be appalled that of the suggestion of a kid's table, he would think that the children should be dealing with the adults and that they should learn how to just behave with the adults. Um, So he would not have a kid's table. And of course he would be the drama. Um, He is the drama (laughs) in every sense of the word. word. Um, So in this book, he has like a neighbor that are like in a throuple Um, So I think he would semi reluctantly invite them over to enjoy the Thanksgiving meal. But I think he would be happy that there was people there in the end. And I'm going to be honest, I, I, it has been a while since I read this book. I remember them celebrating Christmas in the book. So I don't know, they might have actually had a Thanksgiving (laughs) and I'm just completely forgetting it. Um, No,
0: no, no. Because they remember they did Christmas in July
1: oh okay that is that's right, what it, that's right. Like, they I did remember it. something about christmas okay you're right
0: yeah yeah they did christmas so in july no thanksgiving but i i think this is how it would
1: go um based off of that i think maybe he would have learned from his experiences with that and tried to make it a little smaller um but he would still invite his neighbors over and he would be happy that he did and i think um you know in this book it has a lot to do with grief um in the book, um, the mother of the kids passes away, and that was Patrick's best friend. And so, um, I think grief can make the holidays really difficult. But I think, much like this book, that they would learn and try to navigate it with tenderness and humor, and it would be funny, but it would still be sad. But I think they would they would navigate it in the best way possible. So, I would love to be a part of this
0: Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> I think it would be wildly hilarious <laughs> mm-hmm. at the very and point. of course. Um, Gaelic Patrick would be wearing a caftan, absolutely. Um, <laughs> in in fall colors, yes. And because it would be would... in Palm Springs, so the weather yes. would just be like it so be perfectly chilling. fine.
1: Yeah, I think he would detest anything, you know, any kind of overly cheesy turkey decor. It would be a very classy Thanksgiving. Um, very classy. Nothing. Very tasteful. Yes. <laughs> so I think it would be it would be lovely. And it, too, would be catered. I think much like Nora and Libby's Thanksgiving, I, I know for a fact he would have some kind of
0: catering or cook or someone. <laughs> yeah, he would not do that himself. He would not. Um, I think, yes, dude. So just on the topic of this book, not necessarily Thanksgiving, I thought this book – did such a good job talking about grief. Like, Yes. It's like the funniest book that talks about grief. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it and is so, so good.
1: Real. Yeah, it's so real because I think, um, you know, the first, like the first year we did this beach trip with my family was after my grandfather passed away. And it felt like that, where it's like we were having so much fun. It was so funny. But then there are those moments where you're like, oh, he would have loved to be here. Or, like, we wish he was here, you know? So it's still like, I think that's, exactly what the gunkle was and what their thanksgiving would be like of like it's fun it's funny and then you wish they were there but you still can remember them and like celebrate those memories and i think they would do a good job with
0: that yeah i love that that's a really good pick i'm glad you i'm glad you picked the gunkle yes
1: i highly recommend the book honestly it would be a great thanksgiving read as well even though it's a summer book
0: I know, like, I think it's supposed to be a summer book. I, like, had it on hold in the library from, like, like last year I put it on hold at the library yeah. <laughs> in summer, and I didn't get it. It's so popular, I didn't get Absolutely. it until December. So I ended up reading it as a Christmas book, and it was really good and yeah. just, like, reminds you about how, like, perfectly imperfect families are. Yes, exactly. So, um so our last family is actually one that we're sharing because we both <laughs> wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the ultimate family. The, the ultimate family. family for me. The Pevensies um, from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And what other books are they in? Um, Prince Caspian. Yes.
1: And, and uh, The Voyage uh, of the Dawn Shredder. Yes. Lucy and Edmund are in. And then they yeah. all almost come back at the end except Susan. <laughs>
0: RIP. We'll get to that. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, okay. So the Pevensey children are Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy in that order. Mm-hmm. So when I was thinking it, so we, we both put our thoughts separately. So let's, let's both like talk about our thoughts and then maybe like where they merge. Yeah. Okay. So I was speculating, I thought it'd be more fun to think about if they had Thanksgiving in Narnia. Absolutely. So I was kind of picturing, Right at the end of the line, the witch, and the wardrobe when they become high kings and queens of Narnia, and they are hosting um, Thanksgiving at Care Paravelle, of course. So they would invite over Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and Mrs. Beaver would do the cooking, Absolutely. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Tumnus would come, he would bring his flute, he would do the entertainment. That made me laugh. <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> oh my wow. god, me and Zach were talking about that scene in the line, which the wardrobe. Um, where, in the movie, mm-hmm. when Mr. Tumnus is playing that flute, mm-hmm. that was, like, scarring. That was honestly really scary. Yeah, I would, like, close my eyes during that scene.
1: It is It would make me really,
0: really nervous. Also,
1: did Lucy never learn about Stranger Danger? This goat
0: man invites her to his house <sighs> so to give her food? And she's honestly just like, sure. I, here's a hot take. I think every single one of them is annoying. Yes. They They're are just all... good together, you know? <laughs> Kind of, like I was. I was like thinking about this before, and I was like talking it through. Zach is getting so many honorable mentions in this story, in this uh, episode. But we were talking about it, and he is an oldest. um, He's an oldest son, and so he was like, "Yeah, "Yeah, no, Peter's the best." And I was like, "I'm going to push back on you." Yeah, he's very self righteous, and he 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 thinks he knows everything. Yes. So that's what I said. Peter would be annoying, and he would be very self righteous, and he would be bossing everyone around. Be like you know yes be quiet i can't hear the parade <laughs> on tv or like <laughs> we have to eat at 4 p.m. sharp and just i think he would be annoying in my what opinion word? edmund of course would be ruining the dinner by eating um turkish delight <laughs> um he'd be ruining his his supper he didn't learn his and <laughs> just also i was imagining okay what would edmund and lucy be doing Edmund would be like, or Lucy would be like, I want to play hide and seek. And then he would be like, go hide and never comes to find her. So all day she would be like hiding in a closet and Edmund never came to find her. And then she comes out and she's like, did I win? (laughs) Um, Susan would be the only truly helpful one with Mrs. Beaver cooking the dinner. Mm -hmm. But in like a very bible story martha and mary way where she's like making everyone else feel really guilty for the Mm -hmm. fact that and like bad that they're not helping but she is so like she is the best absolutely and so it wouldn't even be like truly like like meg and little women where she's probably just helping to help she would be like helping but like with a side of guilt yes a heaping plate of stinging (sighs) guilt yes and resentment yes um all right, so that's what—that's how I envision their Thanksgiving. How did you envision their Thanksgiving?
1: Yeah, so I was thinking, I actually thought of them more on the England side, um, originally. Okay. But, pre or not pre-Narnia, but maybe when they come back from Narnia the first time. Um, okay. So I thought they were a great family because they, obviously, their parents care about them because they sent them away from the war and, like, they might die, I guess. And they just sent the kids away. to keep them safe um so i think that was you know chill of the parents to like be selfless and then i think their uncle's kind of a cool vibe creepy but mysterious but magical um knows about narnia but like won't tell you directly what's going on that's always cool (laughs) so but maybe he would open up more at the thanksgiving table and he would have some more stories to share with them so i thought that would be cool and then um you know they have like a there's like a lady who lives there. What is she? Is she a servant? I don't know. She's the,
0: like their sister? nanny governess kind of thing. Yeah, but I thought she's kind of like related to the uncle
1: somewhere. Like maybe that's just, I don't know. Anyways, gotta reread those books.
0: But <laughs> so sorry for all of the nerds who are listening so that are
1: sorry. like, sorry to see us. To disrespect yeah. you. Um, all right, whatever. I've read this book series so many times, so I should know. Like I love to reread it, but um, I forget how she's related. So that would be cool. She would do a lot. And on the, on the, Narnia side, I think um, Aslan would disappear during the prayer before the meal. Like, you would close your eyes to pray and then he would be gone. He, he is the drama. Peace out. Yes,
0: he's mastered the Irish goodbye. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> he's so leaves. freaking dramatic for no reason at all. Yeah. Like, he always just is like showing up and leaving and never says goodbye. It's so rude. Yeah.
1: Also, it's kind of weird because it's like he's obviously a Jesus, you know, allegory or whatever. But like when Jesus peaced out, he was like, Yeah, I'm gonna go now and then like ascended into heaven. Like it was kind of a big deal. So mm-hmm. I don't really get where Aslan got that from. So he needs to chill. Um, I agree with you. I think Susan would be helpful but incredibly annoying, um, trying to make everyone else help as much as she was, but like they don't even need the help of everyone else. So they were like just getting in the way if they did what she said, but she was just being bothering everyone. And I think in general, your characteristics are accurate from where they were in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But I would think that they w- did grow. And obviously, they grew up in that book. They lived like a full yeah. adult life <laughs> before they went yeah. back to England. So I like to think that they did all soften. Like, I think Peter maybe had some more humility. I think Edmund had a mm-hmm. little more wisdom. I think Susan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about her. And then I think Lucy did mature a little bit as well. So um, I think there's some maturity that they gained. But I think if that, if we're talking like the beginning of that book, 100 percent, your characteristics are on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved it. (laughs) But I would love to be a part of their family. Like I think having four kids is a lot. But like it probably would be cool because you always have someone to play with or something. And there's two boys and two girls. It's like the platonic idea of a family you know and they don't they fight a lot but they seem to always be there for each other you know
0: yeah no i i agree i think that it would be cool and it's fun i think they're fun like because they're kids who go on this adventure so independently so Mm. when you're a kid and you're reading this book you're like oh man i could do that yeah (laughs) like i could be just like i don't need an adult to go to an arnie with me like i could do it myself how mad though do you think this is not on the Thanksgiving topic. But imagine you're just like a random uh
1: elephant or something in Narnia and all of a sudden this like 10-year-old is the high queen. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> how annoyed do you think you would be at Aslan? I mean, obviously they saved you from the white witch and all that, but like wouldn't you be like, "Hello? There was no one more qualified for this job." Right.
0: Also just the whole bit that like Aslan could have just come back the whole time. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like where were you, Aslan? She was trying to be the
1: stone for years. Yeah. Like, you know, the prophecy and all that, so
0: Yeah. But Anyways, I, I mean, whatever. It. We're 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 really we're really harming the yeah. well being of the C. S. Lewis like devouts that are listening to this right now. I know. Now. I'm
1: sorry.
0: <laughs> so sorry, I'm sorry. to and trigger I love you. These books.
1: I really will say I have a bound like Version that's all of the books in one book form. And so
0: I'm a big fan. I respectfully, we're just having fun. Yeah, we're talking about <laughs> of- <laughs> No, we love it. It's great. Um, okay, so I think that concludes our um, discussion on literary families and Thanksgiving. Maybe just to tie it up, Emily, what are your plans this Thanksgiving? Well, I'm going to the beach as I
1: do. We're going to Gulf Shores, Alabama. Um, so we go for the whole week.
0: with With your extended
1: family yes yeah Uh, my aunts and uncles grandma um brothers both my brothers are coming this year so that is exciting because sometimes you know not all of us can be there so that's kind of nice and um i'm I'm making the pumpkin pie and the mac and cheese Uh, Ooh,
0: that's a big responsibility
1: yeah well every single year we they leave off mac and cheese off the menu i don't know so then i have to like be the one to say i'm just gonna make it (laughs) But I have this really good recipe off TikTok. I will put a link in the show notes. I found it on TikTok and it killed last year. So I'm ready to make it again. It was good. It was quite good. And the pumpkin pie recipe is actually my grandma's servant's um, recipe. (laughs) I found that Oh, oh my God. (laughs) So my grandma, for anyone who doesn't know anything about me, my grandma grew up Wealthy, and she had upstairs maids and downstairs maids in her multi story house, um, which is just baffling to me. And all this time, they're like, Here's this pumpkin pie recipe, it's been passed down in our family. And I learned last year that it was um, her servant's recipe. Who she, I mean, you know, she spent a lot of time with them, so that's, that is what wow. it is. But uh, it's a great recipe, so thank you to that woman. <laughs> passing that down to my family <laughs> but i make that every year because my grandma used to make it but she just you know it's kind of hard for her to be in the kitchen she's just, she's day, just so. gets,
0: yeah she just chills now yeah
1: so but i like to make it there's a few of us who really love it I, I wouldn't say it's a big hit but pumpkin pie is kind of an acquired taste so not everyone i love it it's it. actually
0: my favorite pie
1: yeah i love it, it is my favorite pie as well <laughs> but there's, there's enough of us that eat it that it's worth it for me to make it for my grandma so and for me So that's it. Nice. What about you? What are your plans this Thanksgiving? A little
0: different. Well, yeah. So yeah, now we live in Los Angeles. So um, we are just doing a solo Thanksgiving this year. So um, there's been lots of discussion about this, honestly, for like months since we knew that we were having Thanksgiving on our own um, about like, okay, what recipes from my family traditions am I bringing? What family recipes is Zach bringing? And then like, what new things are we trying together that's cool. So, because, let's see, the first year we were together, we didn't do Thanksgiving together. Because mm-hmm. we just started dating. Yeah. Then the next year, I was with Zach's family. And then the next year, he was with my family. hmm And if you're... So, now that you know how many Thanksgivings we shared together, you're probably wondering why I'm not engaged yet. <laughs> Zach, I know you're listening. <laughs> so, me too. I'm wondering, too. Anyway um so this freaking thanksgiving (laughs) we are um uh yeah so we're gonna i'm bringing like i'm making some things for my family he's making some things for his family and then i think we're gonna do um a new thing we're gonna do pumpkin cheesecake um this something that like neither one of our families have done and then maybe something else i don't know but um Anyways, he's making the macaroni and cheese. It's like his mom's macaroni and cheese is really important to him. My mom doesn't normally make macaroni and cheese. But, um, yeah, I'm bringing my mom's collard greens. Um, we're making cornbread dressing. We're just we're doing a lot of cooking, and we might go to the beach. Uh-huh. Because everyone says in L.A., like, Thanksgiving is one of the days of the year where there's, like, no traffic. Yeah. Because, like, everyone's at home right. or out of town. So you can get to the beach in, like, 15 minutes or something. So oh, cool. we're going to see nice. what it's all about. Yeah. It's kind of fun like that's a f-
1: cool thing about you know being in a relationship with someone like that you can kind of have both like family cultures come together and like you can pick and choose the best parts. so
0: i think that's really cool yes yeah it will be cool awesome um okay so should we talk about some of our favorite books we read to wrap yes. this thing up i was gonna say the same thing do you want to go first Sure. So, um, a recent read of mine, which full disclosure, I'm still working on, um, because it is a, like a 28 day, like journaling situation. It's called me and white supremacy by Layla F. Saad. So this, um, so some context at my job, this time of year, we start putting together our annual goals. And one of the goals we have to create is like some equity related goals. And so I was thinking through, like, what could I do as part of my equity goals for the year? And one of mine is going through this book. So um, this Layla F. Saad is um, actually a British African. She's an African-British person. And now she lives in Qatar. But she is... um, really brilliant and very knowledgeable about like race, racism. Um, She's a scholar and she has put together this like 28 day book with journaling prompts every day that are supposed to help you evaluate your own personal relationship with white supremacy. So in white supremacy culture, which she's very distinct to say, this is not, this is about not about white privilege. It's about white supremacy and about the how that's a lot harder to face um and also about how um like this is not a book about just culture in general or racism in general it's about like you personally so like some of the writing prompts for instance are like how have i consciously or unconsciously leveraged my white privilege over um a person of color you know, and like really having to evaluate your own relationship with it. Um, and so that's what makes it kind of hard. And that's why you got to go slow because you really want to take time to think through each of these things. But it's been very transformative so far and challenging um, for me. So I highly recommend it to anyone on this podcast who's listening, who is white or holds white privilege, um, a more, a more serious recommendation, but um, it's been very transformative. I rented the audiobook and the ebook. So that I could listen to the chapters, but then also have um, the questions and writing. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Anyways, highly
1: recommend. That what sounds really interesting. Um, so, mine's also kind of a serious recommendation. Actually, we didn't plan this, but <laughs> it is called "Tell Me Everything" by Erica Kraus, and it's part like personal memoir, part true crime retelling um so erica basically she sets up the book by telling you that she her whole life has like had this face where people will just come up to her like she'll start a conversation with a stranger and all of a sudden you know 20 minutes later they're telling her their deepest life secrets Mm. and saying i've never told this to anyone before and she's like At a certain point, she's like, "This just happens to me. I don't, I don't know how to explain that to you." (laughs) So that's kind of what happens. Um, And she's, she's kind of struggling, um, working temp jobs when she's in a bookstore, and she runs into a lawyer who's telling her, "I, you know, I'm a partner in this law firm, and I've accomplished all my dreams, but I hate it, and I don't, I don't like this, and I want to quit, and all this stuff." And he's like, "I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I've never told." He's freaking out. Like he's like, "I've never told anyone this in my life." And she's like, no, people just do this to me. She goes to her spiel or whatever. And he's like, okay, you come work for me. And so she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you could be a private investigator for me. Um, Like, I could use that if that's true, that people are just like, I don't, I've never opened up like this to anyone. I don't know why. You obviously have some kind of talent. So she starts working for him. And then the true crime part is the major case she's working on is a... Basically, huge Title IX sexual assault um, case against a major um, football team at college, at a college in her area. Um, she doesn't specify the college. I'm sure you could look it up. Um, but I didn't do that. <laughs> I don't really care which college it is, but it's a true story. And um, wow. essentially, they're trying to prove that there's this culture of um, enabling these sexual assaults. There's one particular incident where I don't want to go into the details because there's so many trigger warnings on this book, but um, you know, so if that's not something you're comfortable reading. Just know that, but um, there's one particular case they're working on, but they're kind of trying to prove, you know, the DA won't press charges. So there's no criminal case. So they're pursuing it from a civil, angle of like there is this culture at this university and it's discriminatory towards women that's kind of what they're trying to prove and that the coach had knowledge of it the university had knowledge of it so it's a lot to prove um so she kind of sets out talking to witnesses um it's super interesting but the and personal, she's undercover the whole time she's not undercover she's open about okay. what she's doing okay. yes so she's talking to victims um of assaults um she's talking to football players she's talking to as many people as she can. Um and yeah, she's being open that she's a private investigator, this is the case they're working on. Um it is super interesting. She also herself the memoir part was a victim of um sexual abuse in her house from a very young age. And so it's I think I sometimes it's jarring because I went to go review it on StoryGraph and it did have a lower star rating than I would have given it. Um And I think from reading those reviews, a lot of people were expecting it to be just about the true crime part and not about her own life. So if you just go into it knowing it's about both, um, I think they, like, of course, that was affecting her if she's investigating these cases and she has that in her own life. Um, But just know that it does focus about 50-50 on the cases and then on her past and her coming to terms with that and her family and kind of the fallout from The things that happened to her as a child so just know that but i think that's super interesting if you do like memoirs which i really do um yeah me too i like that um so just proceed with caution and take care of yourself take care of yourself it is like gut-wrenchingly sad at times there is stuff about the justice system that is just like will make you lose all hope (laughs) like the, the judges and the DAs that just don't seem to care about the women who were impacted by this. Um, it will make you be even, I'm very anti-football. I'm just going to say, <laughs> <laughs> so it, if you're anti-football already, you will be even more anti-football. Cause it's so interesting how, um, like how football players, uh, there's a lot of statistics about how much they make up the amount of like assault cases and crimes on campuses. Um, like, Anyways, it's super interesting. Yeah. Um, it's all a true story, so I've probably talked about it too long now, but I just think it is a great read if, just again, be very cautious if that's something you're not uh, feeling okay about reading about any sexual assault or anything, it is pretty, it goes pretty in depth on those things, so just be careful. But if you're okay with that, it's a really interesting book and so well-written and very hard to read, but I couldn't put it down either, so
0: highly recommend Okay, maybe yeah. a Thanksgiving read. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> like an early February, you know? Okay, sure. But, sure. Okay.